You're listening to the Digital Dive Media Podcast, a curation of digital marketing industry news, trends, and other insights designed to keep communication professionals informed. Today's episode is brought to you by Brand Method Media Group. Welcome to another episode of Digital Dive Media Podcast. I am Kelly Kelly, founder and CEO of Brand Method Media Group, which this podcast is sponsored by. Today we have Eric Holtzclaw. He is the chief visionary partner of Liger Partners. They are a full service marketing firm that delivers everything from an engaging social presence to a full outside marketing solution crafted to fit your specific needs. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. So I would love to just start maybe from the beginning and get a little bit about your background. Uh, well, I, I tell people I'm a recovering technologist. So I started <laughs> my career <laughs> running development shops and working with coders and things like that. And then I had a kind of brief period where I owned a research firm. So I owned a research firm from like 2002 to 2012. And then interestingly, technology and understanding who the user was merged together and really helps to support today's marketing ecosystem. Because if you do marketing, you have to know a little bit about technology in order to get to the right customers. So yeah. Yeah, and to that point, so our audience is is primarily uh, communication professionals and there's a bit of a gap right now between what some people in their early career are are coming out to discover and what we know as seasoned professionals things have changed quite a bit over the last 10 years and marketing is more than creativity and and shiny brochures you have to know tech you have to know digital you have to know numbers so i'd love to get your take on what do you think marketing professionals need to know what are some must knows in order to thrive in this business so as a backup to that, so I give a presentation called Making Sense of the Modern Day Marketing Maze. And I tell people that marketing is not Don Draper. As much as it's not <laughs> right. Don Draper, it's, it's breaking bad. It's making the yes. best meth and making it over and over and over again. <laughs> and in order to make the best meth, you have to know the formula. You have to know what chemicals go into it, what you know, proportion of each is, how you're going to get that blue color that Walt was so known for. And so <laughs> if you're thinking that it's just the creative ideas, and, and you have to have the creatives, right? You have to have the person who comes up with the big idea, but then how do you deliver that big idea and make sure that it's really being pushed out in the right way? So regrettably, you know, marketers have to think with both the left side of their brain and the right side of their brain. And think about, you know, what are the places within the ecosystem that I want to look for success and where are the drop-offs? You know, so like if somebody is making it to a website and they're bouncing, I got them to the website, so that's success, but now I gotta figure out what is what's the problem with the website in order to kind of to make them stick, right? So thinking about every piece of the funnel and understanding that it's really not as discreet as doing a math problem, right? It's it's this multifunction piece. You have to do a little bit of experimentation. You have to be okay with failure. You know, you can't let perfection get in the way of progress. Like just put it out there. Like, let's see if it's gonna work or not and see what we can learn from it. And don't abandon something too quickly. I see people abandoning a tactic or an approach just way too quickly and they don't yet know if it's really gonna work. Do you think with the, the way technology works in conjunction with the ways, I guess, psychology works, what we begin to tune out, what becomes something we quickly scroll by or click off. Do you think there is 
sort of a disconnect between what people actually want to happen and they can put everything out. And to your point, you said to test. Because as time goes by, what we clicked on or what caught our attention six months ago gets worn out real quick because we have so much messaging coming in. Or how do you see that changing over time? Like what what should a marketer do? How do we get past that? So that's a great, it's just getting worse, right? So (laughs) it, it used to be like seven to 10 times for me to get you to pay attention and know something. Now the number's some closer to like 21. Yes. So it's 21. And it's about 21 over a period of time in multiple ways and kind of interesting. It's not the, you know, when you watch the golf channel or a football game and they just replay the same ad over and over again, like that doesn't count. Like stop, right? Don't do that to me. And so thinking about the number of times that needs to, something needs to show up in front of somebody, realizing that the average attention span of the human being is six seconds. Mm. Goldfish have a seven-second attention span. We have a six-second attention span. So it's just getting worse. And as a marketer, regrettably, there used to be this ability to look at like true conversion. So like I would run an ad in a newspaper. People would show up at my store. They'd bring bring this ad in and get 10% off. They'd walk in with a newspaper. You're like, cool, my marketing worked, right? Now, you know, you'll see something in lots of parts of your ecosystem. And it may be that, you know, you go by a sign that kind of finally reminds you that this is the thing that's going to push you over. Or you read an article about something, but it's all those other times that you've heard about it or seen it that are kind of pushing together to make you go ahead and convert. So I really wish the answer were that easy, but if it were, we wouldn't be working with human beings and yeah. human beings are just unpredictable. And we, you know, we want to, we love things that, you know, make us react viscerally. So you make me mad, make me you know, happy, make me cry, make me sad, like something like that to get me to pay attention. And then make sure you're meeting me at a point of need for that actual conversion. So I talk about running marketing like you do your finance department. You know, it needs to be very methodical and operational, but you don't have the same typically known variables in place to then see what's working and what's not. You you've got to do some experimentation and you got to change it up because things change. They just change every six months or so. What we told you to do six months ago is not what we're telling you to do now. At all. <laughs> Google doesn't like it anymore. Or people don't <laughs> care about that platform anymore. It's very fickle, right? Very, yes. very fickle. Absolutely. But I, I think too, that's part of the fun part. If you are that left and right brain, it's the creativity and then making it work and finding the formula for what is now. I think yeah. as, as marketers, if it was just the same formula over and over indefinitely, that could certainly get stale. I don't so think you have a marketer doing that, right? I mean, that's <laughs> no, we would I mean, all abandon you know, it. We, we would abandon we, it. <laughs> we avoided accounting. Like I told you, I'm a recovering technologist. I went to school for computer science and I realized what programming a computer meant. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I was going to sit on a computer every day and code. And I was like, oh, that is not for me. <laughs> and so that being a marketer means that you sort of like this struggle, this challenge of figuring out what's going to work next. And regrettably, a lot of the people who sit in the C-suite, you know, they're, they're looking for some certainty, right? They're looking for yes. that. And, and it's as much like playing the stock market. Like I, I look at it as a portfolio, like what's the portfolio of marketing that you're doing? We need to make sure we got some bond components, like some things mm-hmm. we just know, some one hit, you know, base hits kind of thing. I don't know much about sports. Can you tell <laughs> And then what are the things that are going to, you know, potentially be a little bit more risky that are going to get us that that home run, right? So 
got to play a little bit of both of those. But that's what keeps it fun and interesting. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of that, I want to ask you about brand. Where do you think brand plays in, in between all of this? Traditionally, it seems people want brand to fit strictly in that creative element because they may find it difficult to measure impact or ROI on brand. But as things become a lot more commoditized and we get so much messaging, how important do you think brand will be in the future of marketing it in, in relation to the other elements? But how important do you think brand will be? Well, influence is everything else. So if you've done brand well, I already know who you are before I even see the creative element, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and you have to think about brand in two places. So there's the brand of the company. And then there are the personalities related to that brand. So thought leadership, having someone who's willing to kind of step out and talk to you about what they do and why they do it. We, we don't want to really hear from your brand unless you're big enough to be, you know, some of the ones that we know that are you know, just created mega brands. But even behind those, we always know the founder. We know some yeah. of the kind of key players. And so keeping both of those. And, and we also know that, when a brand presents itself one way, but then the founder is inauthentic to that yep. brand. And that's when you get a lot of the cancel culture or the backlash because it's like, yeah, that's what your brand says, but that's not who you are, right? Like that's not how you present yourself. So brand, brand, brand first, brand through everything. And then you can figure out how to do the right types of activations and content, and those types of things that support that brand. So if you don't have a strong brand voice, you don't know what your brand is, you're out sort of providing either a mixed message or a watered down message that's not going not gonna to get you the effectiveness that you're expecting. What is your advice if you have clients that no one wants to kind of be that face at all? No one wants to present thought leadership. No one wants to- I use myself as the front. example. <laughs> I am not this guy. Like I now do podcasts all the time and speak on stages and I've written and and the reason is I had a very successful research company that had stalled. We were not making the sales that we expected. And I brought in a PR marketing firm to look at it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like we've got Fortune 500, global 2000 clients. Like we rock, like we know how to do this. And they came in and said, well, you're not standing on stages. Yeah. Like nobody knows who you are. And they didn't on purpose. I was the wizard of Oz. Like I sat in the back, I made the company run and I didn't want anybody to know who I was. Because prior kind of to 2008, 2007, we were taught, invest all of your money and dollars into the brand, the people don't matter, make them disappear. And then we got social media and we could yeah. hear from brand owners. And we, and there's also that, like, there's a really interesting, the Empires of, the Empires of New York, I think is the name of it. It's a series on CNBC about mm. the, and like the rise of some of the people in New York and how we, as a society, started to, you know, really turn you know business owners and people into more rock stars right? celebrities yeah yeah and so we had to figure out how we could turn that in how do we like monetize that so if your brand doesn't have someone who does that hire someone right like hire a spokesperson like, you got <laughs> to figure out how to put a person in front of the brand there has to be a person who carries it because how does your brand talk to someone yeah and it doesn't your brand is recognized by your assets or the product or whatever but the individuals carry that forward. Even if you think of an example like Chick-fil-A, you know, their employees are their brands. Right? Absolutely. They're very authentic. You know, when someone else tries to steal a Chick-fil-A thing and use it for their brand and you're like, <laughs> I didn't work the way I You expected. know it. Yeah. 
And, and, and I think it also appeals to our, as an audience, our desire to connect. It humanizes a company. Like we are, we are very much past the point of like, oh, I'm just going to give my business to this company and I don't know anything about anyone or their culture or anything. And social media has a lot to do with that. So even your most quote unquote boring brands, which we advise, you know, they say, well, what are we going to post? Nobody cares about pipes or nobody cares about the poster culture. Right. Let people see your company culture because it humanizes you. And we, we kind of expect that a little bit, especially as we're scrolling through all these feeds. Well, we were working with a client who wanted, they were moving into really cool space and they had really smart people. And they wanted to tell everyone they had really cool space and that they had really smart people. And so the way we did it was through employee spotlights. So mm-hmm. we went into cool space and we recorded these really smart people telling us really smart answers to the problems that they solved while in this cool space. And so we accomplished both of those goals without being so, you know, like, hey, you should hire us. We have really cool space <laughs> and you know, people are really smart. Because that's, that's also table stakes. Like you sort of expect it, right? Like, so like yeah. show it to me somehow. And, and we talk about like, how do you take content from tell content to teach content? So you can don't tell me about it teach me about it and if you can teach it to me then you're likely smart enough and have the types of products that I want to buy right so yeah absolutely who are the thought leaders that you keep up with in the industry so I don't keep up with a lot of marketing thought leaders oh so you know I I I love things like Malcolm Gladwell you know yeah you know because he makes because he gets down to like the psychology. Because I think what we do is so psychology driven. Absolutely. You know, it really drives someone to do this thing. And I love anyone who kind of falls in, you know, some of the books around like, you know, good to great or e-myth or operationalizing your business. Because mm-hmm. um, the problem with marketing thought leaders, regrettably, is that we typically might become really good in one topic of marketing and then all of a sudden that's a little passe, right? So, you know, like somebody who knows LinkedIn really well will may not know LinkedIn really well in a year because it's changed or now yeah. we're not doing LinkedIn and now there's this thing called Clubhouse or there's TikTok and like whatever. <laughs> but the psychology of why people are doing those things is the same. Is the same. Like yeah. Every day of the week. It doesn't matter what it is. Like there's some some primal thing that they're trying to satisfy, some reason they believe it or don't. So I love psychology. I love to, like, I probably should have been, probably should have been a therapist, right? Like, tell me, like, why is it that you did, why did you really do that thing? You know? You know, it's, it's weird. I, I never, I didn't even know that I wanted to be in marketing into my very last semester during undergrad. But as a kid, I can remember dissecting commercials like looking at them and, and figuring out why they chose certain colors or why they chose certain. It's very, very bizarre, but I, I have that memory. And maybe it's just a, an, an innate thing that you have where you're curious and, and it's that left side, right side brain of creativity and, and psychology and, and that whole thing. Yeah, and the two don't mix. I'm a better left side marketer and a better right side finance guy. Mm-hmm. No, right side is creative. I always do it wrong. Right side is creative. I'm a right side marketing guy and a left side kind of finance guy. But when it gets to like marketing, I have to rely on other people to do the like the hard numbers from the marketing sure. Because I just don't think about it and look at it that way. And it's important to know that. You know, we 
caution against hiring the unicorn marketer or the unicorn agency. You know, you can hire an agency that has a, a vast skill set of people who are specialized, but finding someone who knows how to do all of them, it's just not, it's not going to live in the same person. They're going to be different kind of focus areas that they, they all do well. Absolutely. So what's next for Liger Partners? What do you guys have coming up? World domination. I love it. So. Very simple. <laughs> to the point. Our motto is uh, saving the world from boring and broken marketing. So that's what we do. We, we love working with relational companies. So you talk about B2B versus B2C. So I, I hear people say that all the time. And <laughs> it's really about, is my marketing relational? Do I need to teach someone about what I do and establish a relationship and convince them potentially to do it a different way? Or is it transactional? Like, am I selling you this, you know, this little tchotchke? I mean, there's nothing wrong with the transactional work. In my opinion, it's easier, right? Like, did I have the right message? Did I get you to the right page? And did you click and buy? Yeah, you we, get results quick. <laughs> yeah. We live and work and love companies that are relationally driven, that need to tell a story, that need to think about their company as a magazine instead. We are unabashedly a Southeast company, but we have, we have clients all over the U.S. The, the thing that drives is whether or not they want to work with a firm that they're going to have a partnership with. We're in partnership to make their marketing work. And we just love that. We love little hidden industrial, you know, companies in little industrial parts you've never heard of or have never gotten their brand out there. Uh, and, but we want to build a big thing. Like Liger is, is intended to be a, a firm that people know. That's amazing, Eric. Well, thank you so much for your time. Where can people get in touch with you for more information? So they can find me on all the socials. So all the socials. Maybe, maybe the TikToks. I think I'm too old for the TikTok. Are you TikTok? No, I think no. I don't. I think I get kicked out. I think that that's not a thing that I'm allowed to do. I think there's so. room. <laughs> so Twitter, LinkedIn, I'm on you know, Instagram, those types of things. You can go to likerpartners.com. Of course, we've got a bunch of content and things up there. I'd love to talk to people about marketing. It's a uh, love just the conversation about what works and what doesn't and why. So I appreciate your uh, your time and letting me be on your platform today. Thank you so much. We've been speaking with Eric Holtzclaw, Chief Visionary Partner of Liger Partners. Thank you so much for your time, Eric. If you enjoyed today's show, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to the Digital Dive Media Podcast, and we'll see you in the next episode.